a cup of tea podcast. I'm Mike Ewan. And I'm Catherine Lilly. And we both work in the Teaching Excellence Academy at the University of Hull, where our roles are to develop, celebrate and promote HE level teaching. This podcast is designed to explore and share some of the fantastic teaching practices here at the university by showcasing work of some of our colleagues, what they do, how and why they do it, and what the impact has been. In this week's episode, we're joined by Liz Wells from Nutrition and Dietetics to speak about her transition from practice to academia and also how she has supported students in engaging with research. So without further ado, pour yourself a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Hi Liz, um, thanks for coming along today. Um, could you just want to give a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah, thank you. Um, so my name is Liz Wells. I'm a lecturer in nutrition and dietetics and also a registered dietitian. Um, so I teach here on the new Masters of Nutrition and Dietetics pre-registration course, which started uh, last year, so 2021. Oh, great. And yeah, thanks for coming along. So this is uh, our Cup of Tea podcast and you've gone for a cup of tea. Yes, of course. Very yeah. Yorkshire yeah. tea as well, isn't it? Oh, I did request Yorkshire tea. Turns out we don't sell Yorkshire tea on campus. No. Yeah, roasted in Yorkshire, though, according to that cup. So. Yeah. Something that makes the fact you go to, is it? It certainly is, yeah. It keeps us fueled. Plenty of Yorkshire tea in our yeah. office, keeps us going. Um, I like that. So, is it like a little rotor of uh, who brings the tea in? <laughs> well, it's got more, my office has got more, more crowded. We've got a little Casamo machine now. We've got our Yorkshire tea. Oh, and we've got our, Fancy teas, they're not caffeinated for those dietitians that might want them the most. <laughs> so if you're in a shop, that yes. was a good thing. I mean, going for free, yeah. We, when we came up from uh, COVID, we found like bags upon bags of fresh, better mm-hmm. converse coffee that we'd forgotten to take home with us. Oh. So yeah, we've not been brave enough to try it. Yeah, to see not it's like, yeah. Not um, but yeah, did you want to give a bit of a background as to, to why you know, you've come along today and then a bit yeah. of work that we want to get um, So the work I'm talking about is on our evidence-informed practice module. So that's our T3 of the first year module. Um, because as dietitians, we're evidence-based practitioners, so everything we do must be scientific and evidence-based because we are governed by HACPC, so Healthcare Professionals Council, um, which is a protected term by law. So what we're trying to do is train our dietitians to critically appraise um, scientific work that's out there, because there's also a level seven course, so that's a key part of working at that level. Um, so I set up a journal club, which runs at the end of every lecture throughout the T3 um, trimester. So it's kind of trying to make a statistics module a bit more fun. Because okay. um, <laughs> none of the dietitians are particularly keen on this module, but it's very essential to the course Alex, and being a dietitian. So how many times have you run the module so far? Just so brand new. First one, yeah. yeah, so first time through. Um, and some positive feedback on, on the journal club, which is why I brought it along today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a concept that's done quite a lot in clinical practice as part of your continuing professional development. So somebody, uh, in clinical practice, one of the senior dietitians will bring along a paper, you all have to read it and you sit down and you analyse it or ask questions about it because you might be not confident in that area and you learn. So it's something I did when I was a, a junior dietitian um, and I really enjoyed it. So I thought I'd bring it into my teaching on, on this new module because we had carte blanche. Oh, that's <laughs> um, 
and it's a little bit more practical than talking about stats in mm -hmm. SPSS. Yes. And actually see how people yeah. have applied it and used it. Yeah. Articles, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think possibly with undergrads they they read a paper and they believe everything and they take it at face value, whereas a level seven I was wanting them to critique a bit more and critique the design and especially with nutritional research, there's a lot of rubbish perhaps in the media based on a on a paper, but then they spin it. So it's going right back to the beginning of look at this research. Um, how is it designed? Does it apply to our area? Does it apply to the UK population? Um, and by running the journal club for an hour at the end of each three hour session, we all sat down around a table and, and, and ran through a paper. That's brilliant. So, you, so it's, a, it's not a kind of added extra, it's part of the, the talk program? Yeah, I think because Hardman was a, a relatively small in comparison to say nursing where you have 400, um, we can all sit down around a table. Yeah. Um, and I would give a paper each week, so front front load that onto Canvas, so they could read it, and a CASP tool. So okay. CASP is um, a, a website with free downloadable resources on different types of papers, so control trials or cohort. So each week I'd give a paper that corresponds to a CASP, and they'd go away and sit and read it and then fill it in and then bring it to class and we'll all sit down with our homework, <laughs> including me, because yeah, yeah. um, I have to be able to understand <laughs> it and, yeah. and answer the questions as well. And um, we all take it in turns to bring a question of something you genuinely might not understand or something you thought wasn't great about paper, and you give your answer and then you nominate the next person. So everybody has, right. everybody has yeah, to join it, so you can't have any being carried <laughs> and yeah they seem to enjoy the practical element and looking deeper into something clinical because they always want to be the clinical aspects right. because they're training to be clinical dietitians rather than statistics and mm. um, so they learn the clinical and go deeper into that whilst learning about the design of the trial the appropriateness of the way it was studied and did you find that it took them a while to kind of get into it or were the discussions flowing from the start? Yeah, I think there was a couple that were definitely keener um, than others to, to speak, but by the end everybody seemed to be a lot more confident in in what they were seeing and it builds up through the module as they learn. So mm -hmm. they talk about epidemiology and then they see it in a paper, perhaps they do feel more confident. Um, and, and there was a few that in the group that perhaps weren't as keen to speak generally, but by the end of it, they realise it's not a scary, right or wrong yeah. um, method of learning. It's more, I didn't understand this, this was confusing, did anybody else? Mm. And for me as well, because I'm there joining in and it might not be my specialty yeah. clinically and it might not be my specialty in terms of research design. Mm. So yeah, seem to enjoy it. <laughs> no, that, that. Uh, I suppose you being part of that community of, of learning as well is probably quite powerful, isn't it, for them to see yeah. you uh, developing at the yeah. same time, isn't it? Yeah, you're not standing up and dictating your, yeah. your knowledge. <laughs> you're on a level with them and you're literally all sat around the table rather than standing at the front of the class. Um, so it's, it, it changes the dynamic straight away. 
mm-hmm. and it's much more relaxed. So the, le- the two hour lectures done, the concentration is done, right? Bring your homework and just all yeah. talk through. Um, I've not seen those CASPs, so is it kind of like a template for, for each of the type of research? Yeah, so um, they you can get them sort of PDF or Word document, and it downloads, and it they talk you through the paper, and then within each prompt, it will say, does it have X, Y, Z? So right. it might be something like, uh, is, is there a confidence interval, or um, do you think the research was was well designed? Um, think about sample size. Think about recruitment. Think about bias. Um, mm-hmm. So it consolidates what I've taught, but it structures them through what should be in a paper. So things like qualitative research, what you look for is very different to randomized control trial. But that guide helps them to pull out the good or bad points in, in that type of, of paper design. Mm-hmm. i a link to those in the, the description of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Like giving that framework, I think, probably helps with confidence, probably, does it? I think so, yeah. And because most of my research is randomised controlled trials and clinical, I'm not strong in, in qualitative mm-hmm. either, so it helps me as a template. Um, and the website's got a few workshops, and I think you can pay for certain modules to, to sure. learn more skills. So it's a good resource to go to. Um, and the aim is when they come in their final year and they're doing their dissertation, Without us, it's a little bit more asynchronous. They've got these templates to, yeah. to use for critically appraising the papers they find for their systematic review. Um, so it's, it's all gender. There is a method of yeah. building up to that, that final <laughs> module. Um, so yeah, I also refer back to your CASP tool. Yeah. So is there a specific assessment attached to this, or does it build up to that final module? And there isn't specific. There is a specific. Yeah, um, the specific is. Um, Designing an audit, so um, clinical audit. Some of the all our learning outcomes come from the British Scientific Association. So being able to um, audit and evaluate and appraise are some of the key learning outcomes. Um, and they pretend that they're a dietitian in practice and they have a standard, so nice guidance or um, a local policy. And they build an audit tool um, based on that, and they do a, a small literature search. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, to build up to doing a big systematic review in that final year module. Yes, but again, the links. Mm. Do they do you think the students see that? Or do you point that out? Or? I do try and point yeah. it out. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do try and say that there's a reason for doing this, and you'll maybe be in your second year. Um, but yeah, because we had the opportunity to design the course and design the curriculum the way we wanted it to build, um, there is a strong link between this 20 credit and the next 40 credit. Yeah. Um, so I, I know exactly how to build them up ready for the systematic review and what they need for those, for those skills to be working well um, in the second year. So yeah, it's clinically relevant as well because every new dietitian will do an audit when they start their first job. So they've got that practical skill. Mm-hmm. So did this run in T2, the last academic year? T3, yeah, we go all year. Yeah, it's a quick one, I mean, it's only 10 weeks, so it's yeah. a quick one. But have you had some feedback already, you said? I think yeah, so the, um, the MEQs at the end, um, 
they said, yeah, they, they enjoyed the, the practical element um, of, of building through a paper and the cast and um, said, preferred the clinical preferred the clinical modules, but made this as, as good as you could get really for it, the statistics yeah. module. So I think the more practical you can make evidence-informed practice and pulling apart media articles right back to the science, the better the practitioner will be when they're on you know, the clinical shop floor, really. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's one of the questions we're asking you may have just touched on that is, what tips or what other settings do you, do you see this approach working in or what, you know, what are the subject areas? Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think for any health course that's vocational, mm. where you're registered and accredited and you're working as an evidence-based practitioner, you have to understand the research that underpins anything new that comes out and be able to evaluate all this, this trial. So there's all these groundbreaking things, but does it, <laughs> does it fit and is it true what they're making the claims of? Um, so yeah, nursing, physio, OT, getting OT coming on board oh, yeah. soon to this faculty. Yeah. Um, because your patients will come with something they've heard or seen in the daily mail, for instance, and you have to say why what you're saying is perhaps truer or better mm. versus what they found on Instagram. <laughs> and, you know, and that's what differentiates somebody who's a registered HCP individual compared to someone who's a couple of days course yeah. online perhaps <laughs> if you drink coffee and live longer if you drink coffee and die sooner <laughs> and it's backing it apart and knowing that what you're saying and why you're saying it you you understand it and you believe it it sounds like it's been a good way for you to keep your own professional development mm. current and keep up to date with the reading within you know yeah. i have to do this because i've got to keep up with my students yeah exactly because um, when you're in continual professional practice, you, you're supposed to do this, but you don't get time. Mm -hmm. you know, you're clinically pushed. Um, so it, I came across this as a, a protective time where we all came together and learned. Um, and you could sit down for an hour and just have a, have a cup of tea and concentrate and learn um, and continue your professional practice. Uh, but equally for me, some of the papers I used were, were mine and some I knew were better quality research than others. Um, which helped you be able to pull it apart, but then others were, they weren't. There was something that I'd just seen published, and I was interested, and I thought I can sit down and read through it two, three times. Because you do really need to go through it several times to pull it pull it apart and find the little bits you need. Um, so yeah, it keeps me up to, up to date as well. I think you could see it by you've mentioned about health, but the approach to interrogating a resource in general rather than not just that specific or mm -hmm. in, in all areas really couldn't you? I think we, we, we've done things in the past around kind of reading around uh, a, a journal club similar around subtle based kind of research and then kind of then all discussing it I really like that, that way of framing it around a, a template mm -hmm. set up just to yeah. uh, it really seems to broaden uh, brought it out to people you know less confident about no you don't feel like you have to come with a, a knowledge already no, no. go all build through it together and, and like you say if you've got a template be it and business yeah. or i don't know but the template builds and helps everybody through it 
but also they have to read it because <laughs> you know, you're going to have to sit down uh, and be accountable in front of, of your peers and, and you will get asked and you will have to join in. So they definitely would have to read it. Yeah. Um, because I know some people run them virtually online or Facebook or Twitter and it's more of a asynchronous model on a larger scale if you didn't have time. Mm. We had hundreds and hundreds of students. You can get that discussion going mm. and then put your answer on your answers or opinions on the template as a as the lecturer. Oh, okay, yeah. After the event, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose building on that with, with the large cohorts, is it to think more use of group discussion, small group discussion for their feedback? Yeah. Yeah, if if you have the facilities to split into smaller groups and then you could run several journal clubs within the in the room, yeah. or uh, use your discussion boards um, with some kind of link to make sure they're reading it to then access yes. something else yeah. to make sure they do it, uh, and then those that want to engage will. And, and yeah, I think I think we did do one on a discussion board because there was a problem with the room and we didn't have time for the journal club or something like that. So we ran one asynchronous and one face to face, and, and people did still join in because they've done the work and they want to, to join in and see whether what they thought was right or not. Yeah, the first person to put the discussion um, reply yeah. in is a confident one. It's doable, you can change it to whatever you yeah, yeah. allows, I guess. Yeah. Um, what, what do you see kind of the, the future of it? Are you, you going to continue now and run the recognition yeah. and bring it into? Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely continue it in this in this module and, and make it bigger. And um, whether it might go into some of the other modules as well, um, just to open up different areas of, of clinical or because it's in the last trimester of the first year when really those critical appraisal skills you need from trimester one right. and often with a step up from undergrad to masters, they're slightly missing. Um, the critical appraisal skills. Mm. So whether there's a way we can bring it earlier from our course um, or the academic mastery, I think, which is going on elsewhere in the faculty. I think we've tried to embed that a bit more to, to just put those appraisal skills. I suppose it's a bit early to know what the impact is on that future module. Mm. It'd be interesting to get in planning to do any kind of evaluation or checking to see if it's <laughs> had an impact further on. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I mean, this cohort are on placement at the moment, so they're out working full time. Um, but when they come back and they're doing their dissertation, whether they find that module clicks and oh, that's why we did that and that makes sense. I would like to ask them and perhaps do a bit more of an interview or focus group on a couple of them to see mm -hmm. if it if it was worthwhile and do they think it could have come anywhere else or earlier. Just get their opinions because mm -hmm. this first cohort bless them have been. Little guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we do welcome any of their feedback because because they were there from, from the beginning yeah. and it's on this course. Mm. Do, again, do you think do you think the students are aware of that and do you think they've kind of bought into it or has it been mixed? Yeah, yeah, no, they they have bought into it. They've been really helpful with it. I think there's the odd glitch of yeah. logistical things where yeah. they become slightly frustrated <laughs> at being the guinea pigs, um, but that's just more behind the scenes. But in terms of the teaching. Um, we've always been open with them that this this is we can't yeah. give you examples of last year's assignments mm -hmm. because you were the first person to run it through. Mm -hmm. um, and with the audit, I could give them clinical audits that I've done. Um, 
but not enough students to understand. They haven't had it easy, as yeah. easy as some will in the future. Well, right. thank you very much, Les, for coming along. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for my tea. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs>